welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. I'm Jackie Simmons, your host of the show. We're launching a movement, the Suicide Prevention Movement. We are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. We're really happy that you're here, and I am super, super excited to introduce you to our next speaker. Our next speaker, our next guest, our next person to have a chat with is Susan Kirby. And Susan and I had come up with a topic and a title and a conversation that she changed just a couple of days ago. So we're going to be talking about hope changes everything. And at some point, you're going to find out what her first topic was. In the meantime, please help me welcome to the show. Here we go. Miss Susan Kirby, where are you? Go right ahead and there you are. It's, I'm here. It's Hi. magical. It is. It's all magic. Pushes of buttons. How are you, Jackie? I am excited to see you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's interesting that this hope changes everything conversation. I, In writing the emails to my community of people who I say speak and shine your light, right? It's that piece of when you're shining your light, your people find you. And like, how does suicide prevention and speaking your light have, where, where does this intersect? And it's been a really amazing three or four days as I've been contemplating your mission and my mission and how they intersect. And it's been very fabulous, actually. Oh, cool. I'm glad that it's been fabulous. All right, so let's jump right into this. Yes. You said hope changes everything. Yes. I am not, and I put this out there, when I was creating your speaker tile and making the post to go out on social media, I'm like, I am not a fan of okay. this concept of hope. I yeah. did a rant called, are you living your life hooked on hope? I think it is a drug that keeps people unmotivated because they're sitting around hoping things will change. So I, feel I, free. I you get to fire back. As a, as a seminar leader for Landmark Education, they also did rants on hopes and about how hope is not the thing. Hope is just, you know, like, but where I stand is so much of my life when I've been hopeless, mm. I, that's the bottom for me. The bottom is there's, there's no hope. Why bother? Like, it's not just, oh, I hope so. So my hope isn't hope so. Can't wait. Let's see. It's more like I got nothing. I, I got nothing. But if you get just a little bit of hope, like maybe, just maybe. Uh, maybe it's possible. It could be just enough hope that has me go maybe and as we we look at um i, I came i came to this hope change is everything from uh, actually from my time in addiction from my addiction in food addicts uh, actually food i'm in a 12-step program for food addiction and when i walked in at 210 pounds i had I wouldn't have said I had hope, but I walked into the meeting. So I must have had something, you know, like yeah. something, but not, it was so like, 
I'd done everything and wouldn't work, nothing worked, and I wasn't happy, and I was didn't like who I was, and I didn't like what I saw, and I didn't like who I was being, and I didn't, I just was in a not, I didn't like much. Mm. And I noticed just in the conversation in the very first meeting I walked into, when I walked in with my arms folded and all going, I don't, uh, don't even want to be here, and all the other stuff, because I have attitude about everything, right? <laughs> But when I saw, A, they weren't fat, they were thin, and B, they spoke about being happy. And I didn't know how you could give up the one thing that made me happy or the things I thought made me happy and actually be happy. Oh. So I say in that meeting, I got hope. And I say with my speakers, you, you talk about um, that, that topic, your TED Talk, uh, your TED Talk where you go, I don't want to talk about it. And I think you said, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it then, and I don't want to talk about it now. But that piece of, I don't want to talk about it. Well, most of the messengers I work with in the area of speaking, they don't want to talk about it. The, the thing that they can make the most difference with, they don't want to talk about. They want to talk about this over here and have it be light and that part of the hope like you're talking about, like la, 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 you know, they want that mostly. Mm -hmm. But the truth is what makes the biggest difference is talking about the stuff we don't want to talk about and in a way that gives people hope as in a new possibility, as in maybe, as in if I give it a chance, it could possibly work something different for me. So that's why I say hope changes everything. So opening the door to the possibility, and I'm getting kind of a Darth Vader feedback, so I first, I'm just going to keep talking until it goes away. There we go. Okay. Opening the door to a possibility of a positive outcome Yes, what you're talking about. Yes. As far as what your the people that you work with, your students, what they avoid talking about is the one thing that would be easy to open a door for someone else to a possible positive outcome. Yes. So when I didn't necessarily know that when I started doing speaker training, mm -hmm. but I would listen to their life because I believe that when we're being who we're born to be that's when miracles happen. That's when everything is as we're supposed to be. And one of the emails I wrote out to my community was that so many parents, I believe, are so caught up in what, you know, what's possible for their children, like seeing a different, like if they could only be this way, then their life would be better. And so they keep trying to get them to be other than you know, something not necessarily who they are, right? They're so caught up in the what they really want for them, they kind of forget the who they, what do they want for themselves or who are they, right? I'm going into this space of going, I raised three daughters, I never did that, but one of my daughters runs tech support for this show, so I am so busted. Okay, so this is how I parented. This is how I was parented. This yeah. is the story of parenting is we want our children to have the best possible life 
and our perspective of what that looks like might not match who they are. Yeah. So what I said and have said is when parents want the best for their children, they don't necessarily see the best of their children, like the best of them. So it's been interesting to see because what I found is when, when people have a message, they come to me, they come to me because they have a message of something. And what I realized is their life has been preparing them for this message. So your life, Jackie, has been preparing you for this message of teen suicide prevention. If your daughter didn't have the conversation with you or the actions or whatever it was that got you to go, wait a minute, this was in my life and I gotta do something about it. You wouldn't be here making a difference for this many people. And even if only one person tunes in and gets a little bit of hope, there was one of your comments you said, if somebody does, you know, if just one person chooses to stay, another minute maybe, or another hour. Now, we're not here talking about intervention, and I know I appreciate that about you too, that we're talking about how do we live a life such that it's not even a conversation. Well, I'm gonna challenge that one. How do we live a life where it's a conversation that's not uncomfortable, where it's a conversation that allows for all of the emotions to exist yes. without risk? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the piece that I also got to when I was, when I was playing in this conversation before ever talking to anybody. You, you played the song, Having a Conversation with Myself. I'm like, as I'm having a conversation with myself, trying to look to see, and, and you know, I find God funny, right? So it's that piece of, I'm about speaking your truth mm -hmm. so that it's well-received. And yet, there's times when it's easier for me to speak what a coach has told me to speak, or I'll just take Jackie's copy and use that. I'm like, I can't tell people it's speak your truth and find your voice while I'm hiding behind someone else's, right? So I'm like, oh, what is my voice in this? Why do I care about, about this message? And that's when I really started to see that hope does give that change and the messengers who come to me come to me to really sell hope but i don't mean like snake oil kind of hope but like hope like I didn't think it was possible. And now you're telling, not only telling me it is, but you're helping me do, do it. You know, that piece of, I, I can do this. All right, so we're gonna talk about two different pieces of this because it's a very important conversation. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing it up with so much vulnerability because the idea of bringing a message into the world the idea of what's the one thing that people most want to buy. When I'm working with people on their sales and I do sales from the inside out, I talk in terms of not what do you got to sell? Because I'm a firm believer that if I'm trying to sell something, nobody's going to want it at all. 
but what do they want to buy? And what you're calling hope, and it's a matter of semantics. Yeah, you know, we're both in the same realm. And what, what, when you use the word hope, my brain goes, oh, people want to be inspired. They want yes. to believe in the possibility of a positive outcome. Yes. And so the belief in a possible positive outcome is what you mean when you use the word hope. Yes. There's like a glimmer. It could do anything for it. Because right, you the elephant in the room is that we glitched out. So okay. there's a glimmer of what? So there's a glimmer of hope, not that you don't have to do anything for it, mm. but there is a glimmer of hope of that it too could be different. So I'm telling you, I walked in 18 years ago, I walked into the room at 210 pounds and miserable. There's a lot I've had to do every day that I still do every day to keep to keep that re, that possibility a reality, right? That's it's not like I walked in and I walked out thin. You know, oh, like you mean it's not in. a one and done. It's not no, no, and hope is something that that consistently goes on. And and there's this piece of um I, I was reminded of the, this emotional scale. Have you ever worked with Abraham Hicks? And they have oh, something wow. they call the emotional scale. And it came to me this morning, the bottom of their scale, the absolute bottom of their scale is hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And I, I caught the tail end of your last interview and the fun and the positivity and all that. And I'm like, yes, we want to bring that in we definitely want to get to that part of life is joy. But one of the things they talk about in the emotional scale is you can't go from the bottom to the top. Oh yeah, it's an incremental process. And, you know, and, and so and I'm glad you brought that up because I want to make sure this is really clear because in the last one we went in that general direction and the context was we're talking about people who are in the middle and headed towards positivity. So we're yeah. not talking about a huge leap. When someone's out of the middle and they are at risk, yeah. then we're not talking prevention at that point. That's intervention. Yes. And so to take them from that place and that, what I call, there's this town I call Shouldville which is a dark, dank place where lives yeah. get lived and dreams go to die. And we're there when we're shooting on ourselves and others. And just past Shouldville is hopelessness, is yeah. the abyss. It's, yes. a, it's just a never ending drop. Yeah. And when people push on me and they find out that I'm the mother of a teen suicide attempt survivor, they go, oh, and they step back. And I don't talk about the other piece. I'm also a survivor of two bouts of clinical depression. And there's a difference between clinical depression and environmental or situational depressing. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of controversy around language. Is it a depression, a noun, or is it depressing, something that you're actively doing? And the bottom line is that 
That is one place that is on the other side of Shouldville. And the only reason that I do the work that I do initially had nothing to do with saving anybody other than me. It yeah. wasn't about saving my daughter. It wasn't about saving teens. It was only about saving me. Yeah. And the problem with a message like that is that I grew up in a world where the last person I was supposed to be talking about was me. Yeah. Okay, I got the goosebumps with that because that's that piece of who am I to have a voice? Who am I? I'm just go along, get along. I grew up with as long as I had my mother's opinion, life was good. If I had a different <laughs> opinion, you know, it was a little bit more challenging. And I decided I wanted the good life. So I was the good daughter and had the good opinion as in hers until I didn't anymore and then it it became that piece where have that's another one of those hard conversations like how do you have the conversation with my mother and say i think your job is done you know and she's like what what do you mean i'm like i'm good you know you're we're complete i'm good and and my mom passed last year and we were best of friends till the end so it's not like we we ended in parting ways, but to be able to divide off and be who I was born to be and not be the doll she wished I was or, you know, something else. Um, it's, that's the piece of, I fully believe when we recall who we are and that we are important and that our voice matters. Mm. That's when thoughts of who's going to miss me, you know, like when it, I just remember, I don't even remember the circumstances. I remember pulling to my driveway with my husband in the car. And I remember saying to him, I think I'd be better off at the bottom of the pool. And he said to me, there's a lot of people who wouldn't think that. And I remember in that moment, not fully, that wasn't what was feeling in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Those moments of that looks like a better option. And I'm one of those lead seminars, does this all positive, like why would any, nobody would ever think, how would that ever happen? And yet the conversation can go there. Mm -hmm. Like serious enough that my husband didn't just blow it off, but he actually, you know, stood for, he didn't go, no, that's not true. But he goes, you know, it was that people, whatever thoughts I was having were not in alignment with thoughts of the people who saw me. You know, so I have to keep talking to get the sound to clear up on my end. Kudos to your husband for being willing to hold a space where you could have the emotion that you were having, have the thinking that you were having, and him being so calm and supportive and holding that space for you that you could hear him. Yeah. So that's such an amazing, great example of what it feels like when someone feels heard. Because if you didn't feel heard by him, anything that he said would have gone unheard by you. Correct. So that's that piece of how do we have tough conversations? So it starts with being willing to say, 
I feel like this. Because if you don't say, then nobody can say anything. And there's, I, I've talked to a friend this morning and I told her I was going to be on this conversation. And she said, you know, do you want to talk to any of my friends? I have two friends who both lost sons in, or brothers in the last three years to suicide. I know this gentleman, he, he, he's a grief counselor. He's written books on grief and his son committed suicide. And how do you go from, I am this guy to, and this happened, right? So it's not even the professionals necessarily who, it's the willingness to have the tough conversation, to the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to be wrong, the willingness to have them be hurt, whatever all that is, over here when you're not at the when you're not contemplating the ledge when you're on yeah. this side of the line you know things might be tough but they're they're livable tough there's there's you haven't gone on that slide from unmotivated to helpless yeah and and so and then from helpless to hopeless is this is the area of intervention but when someone's on this side of that line then they don't even know that there's something to talk about, which is why the advocacy program got born, where yes. the advocates open the door to the conversation because anybody who's over here, it would never dawn on them to have a conversation on this topic. Right. You know, by the time you open the door to the conversation, you were in the realm of potential intervention. You needed somebody else, actually not potential, you were there. You needed someone else's perspective. And, and I know when I've talked to friends who've been watching people on the suicide watch, like they could be harmful, they ask, do you have a plan? Do mm -hmm. you have this? Have you figured this out? Like I get there's conversations about where are you on the spectrum, that's not, that's, That's not for you or me or I to have that conversation. Right. But That's I, the realm of trained professionals. And that's why we give the 800 number out so often. Which, and I'm going to put it in the chat box right now. So you go right ahead. Where are you going with this? And that piece of when we talk about the scale of emotions and the hopelessness being the bottom and then getting up to anger, like anger is a high, a high emotion, a, a, a good, a, a gooder emotion, which is clearly not the word, but you know, a better emotion than, than hopeless. But eventually the first, the first emotion beyond neutral is hope. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I know you that that's the language. And so we're going, we're going to call it believing in the possibility. Yes, of something exactly. Better. So it's go. that, that piece. And, and when you and I spoke, uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about a different topic, I talked about all my arguments with God and you said, that's what you should call this. So for those people who want to know, but I thought she, cause I saw on the, on the outline, it says, Oh, it still says I'm talking about arguments of God and arguments with God. And then you say something about which you win. And I realized like, wow, I've never quite said it that way. But the truth is every time I argued with God, I won, but not necessarily by being right. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, say more, because I'm the only one on the call, potentially, who knows anything about your history. 
So please take us there. Take us on this journey of arguments with God, because this is what the topic was. Yeah, yes. and it was like, hope changes everything. I'm like, oh no, arguments with God is so much more enticing to me. I understand, but I'm like, it's... Oh, wait, wait, we're going to have to have a vote. Everybody on the call, everybody who's listening to this, you can vote for which title is more compelling. Arguments with God, which you win, and or hope changes everything. And so you guys, if you have an opinion, this is where you want to put it in here. Okay. All right. So take them there. What is your arguments with God story? So in my arguments with God, generally, I there's so many times when I'm frustrated and can't figure it out and don't know what it's like and how that goes. And so I remember uh, several conversations. The first one that I fully remember, although I didn't remember actually talking to God, was the one when I headed into the 12-step program. Because I remember waking up going, really? This is where you want me to go? This is your big idea. Like this is, because I had wanted to go in that time, it was April. And the two years before in April, I'd been in Medjugorje, which is a little town in Bosnia where the Virgin Mary has been appearing. And I went as a non-believer. I went as a, God's a good bedtime story. If you need to believe in him, good for you. I went as a tourist because my father-in-law was going to pay. And when I got there, I was a tourist. But when I left, I got there was something more than I was seeing, right? So I got willing, which is about as much as hope. I got like a little bit of willingness to hear more. So as I, as I was approaching that two-year anniversary, my friends were back in Magicori, the people who had taken that trip with me. And I'm like, that's where I'd rather be. And I got, when I woke up that morning, I'm like, this is where, this meeting, this is the answer? Wouldn't you rather me go... And it, and it really was the answer to a lot of prayers. Like the week before that first meeting, I had said I wanted, if I, we, we did something called your best life, your, your best year yet. And you I write know. all the things that you wanted and all the things. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be a size 12 by next April. I'm like, yeah, like that'll ever happen. Cause I was a size 18. Like I had the 14 was where I got for being married. Like, like that was the best it was going to get. So 12 was like, really whatever but i and i said i wanted to talk daily to friends and i said i wanted to pray more daily and i said i wanted to meditate daily and when i went to that silly meeting that i didn't want to go to they recommend you call three people a day they recommend you pray daily they rec morning and night they recommend that you do 30 minutes of quiet time they recommend all this stuff and i'm like oh you're funny like that i would get all my answered prayers in a something I didn't think I wanted, really. Like I didn't want to do it, but I did. And I always say, you know, we don't ask you to like it, we just ask you to do it because like comes later, right? But <laughs> sometimes it takes seeing results before you decide that you like something. <laughs> I always say I was obstinate enough to to get abstinent from the flour and sugar because I'm like, fine, whatever. You know, in that argument that I answers that when I'm in my please help me I could use some help it's really quiet mm. for me 
but when I, and I, not that it's not being answered, but I get real like in those arguments. So again, I won in that I got to be a size 10 by Christmas. I got to be, you know, I, I got all the things I said I wanted in this one silly little package. And not only that, but the whole thing about speaking your truth and being well-received, I'd never met anybody so authentic and so willing to say what's real in their lives as the people in the 12-step programs. I'd done landmark education, which is all about being um, authentic about your own inauthenticities. And I still was being inauthentic about the being authentic for the inauthentic because I was still about looking good somehow in there. So these people were all about just saying it the way it was. And I realized a lot of what I've gotten has been 18 years of that conversation. So that's that whole, you don't know where God's leading you. I, there's a quote I love, and it's an anonymous quote, says, you know it's God leading you when you end up where you didn't mean to go. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of conversations about internal guidance systems over the course of the summit, and we're going to be having a whole lot more. So whether you call it the voice of God, whether you call it intuition, the bottom line is that what we're talking about is there's a way to connect with a guidance system so that you're not always up in your head trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's about as stressful a place as I've ever lived was trying yeah. to figure it out on my own. So, and, and that's the piece. I have a little gift for your people. Oh, um, cool. We like it. Here, right. So there's a gift of, I, I wrote a chapter in a book and the book is called Turning Possibilities into Realities. Mm -hmm. And it was another one of those, not quite as bold an argument as God, uh, as speaker training, really? This is your big idea? And you know, then God saying, I'll bring you my messengers, you have them be good. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and that it's again, I didn't want to. I told God I didn't want to. And then I got, no, this is what I really want from you. I'm like, okay. And then a year or two later, I go, you know what? I'm done. This is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm old. I'm not doing it. And I heard, I told you I'll bring them. Stop hunting them down. Oops. I'm like, you did tell me you bring them. Okay, fine. I'll just do what I want. And if you happen to send me messengers, then I will take care of them. And if not, I'm just going to do what I want. And then the first seminar I went to that I just wanted to be at was, help, I've got a talk coming up, right? So those arguments are always so surprising where I'm like, I'm not going to, like, fine, I'll just do this one next little step. And that's kind of how I see it for, even in this conversation about suicide, it's that one little bit of, okay, one little bit of willingness, I'll take the next breath. One little bit of willingness, I'll do the next thing. So all of this came together when I'm there in this conversation with Lisa Marie Pletsky, and she said, I'm putting together this book called Turning Possibilities into Realities, and I'm hoping there's one more person who wants to be in the book. And I look up at God or source or the universe or whatever, and I go, is this the one? Because I've been talking about writing my story, talking about writing a book. I'd even had it outlined, but I wasn't doing anything about it. And I'm like, so I took a deep breath and I said, 
you'd like, I'd like, I think I'm good at turning possibilities into realities. I seem to have that happen a lot. So maybe I could be in this book. And if you'd like to see a writing sample and she goes, oh, if you want in, you're in. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. Ooh, no and, backing down now. <laughs> and I'm like, she goes, so just look and see what it is you do that turns possibilities into realities. And I'm like, okay. So my best way of listening is in the quiet sometime between waking up and actually getting up. And in there, I'm listening, like, what do I do? And it became really clear that every time, whether it's the getting the 210 pounds to 140 pounds, or whether it was bankruptcy to, oh my God, the life I have right now, or whether it was you know, all the little things I've done all followed what I call my seven steps to enchanted play. And whoa, 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 whoa. seven steps to what? Enchanted play. Ooh, I like that. That's the one where you go, didn't that turn out well? That was fun. So for my bit of how you offer hope and how you bring the arguments with God and win is where you let yourself, the first step is you dream. Okay. And you dream big because what I learned in the Course in Miracles is there's no order of difficulty in miracles. So if you're going to ask for a miracle, you may as well ask for the big miracle, right? Like why ask for a little miracle? You might as well ask for it really the way you want it. So just dream big. And then the second step, which is probably in most people's how do you manifest something, is you declare it. You declare it to the world, you tell the world, this is what I want. You tell the universe, okay, this is what I want. I'm going for it, I don't know how it's gonna happen. But the third step I realized was in every one of the times when it turned out really well for me, and I haven't heard it in anybody else's steps, and it's where I call it delight. Where the thing you want is so big you couldn't possibly make it happen on your own. So like if you, when you take on suicide prevention or having suicide be a thing of the past, you can't conceive of how Jackie Simmons is gonna actually do that, right? But yeah. you need to take the next step. But so the delight part is where you go, okay, God, okay, <laughs> universe, okay, I can't wait to see how you get this one to turn out. <laughs> and you just kind there of go, go, let's go. Let's see how this goes. And again, you don't just sit waiting for it to turn out. I go on the hunt. So the, the fourth step is where you then discover where the miracles are turning out because I fully believe it always turns out well for me. It has always turned out well for me. I have evidence that it always turns out well for me. So I'm looking for, okay, God, how are we going to do this one now? So this is, uh, this is that piece of loving the hunt for miracles. Oh, cool. So you go miracle hunting instead of hunting for messengers and clients. I do. I'd rather go like, <laughs> show me what you got. If you've got a better plan, I can't wait to see what you got going on. So let's play. 
And it's that piece of, ooh, didn't that turn out well? Oh, that's just what I wanted. Oh, and even the piece of, why did I sign up to be on a seminar about suicide prevention? What does that have to do with me? And yet to go, oh God, you're funny. It's that piece of, I found more of my voice. It, you actually got me to write to my community that I hadn't been writing to because I had nothing to say, which isn't always true, but it's, you know, it's kind of that whole, when I got something to say, I'll tell you. I was like, Ugh, now I have to write to them. I promised Jackie I would. I promised Jackie I'd write to them three times. And I had people responding to me, clients, and, and people who want to be clients and saying, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for your message. Thank you for taking this on. This is so important. And it, it filled me in a way of like, oh, I am a messenger to messengers. And I do have something to say that people want to hear and need to hear. And no, knowing that keeps this possibility alive instead of, you know, it's not suicide. And I don't mean to mention it like that, but it's that piece of, I, I don't need to do this business anymore. I'm done. I'm tired. I get another one of those. I'm tired. I'm, and then he's like, okay, Jackie. Oh, but for Jackie, I'll email, you know, like, oh, for that. And then, you know, some of that personality type, um, for, you know, it's easier to ask on behalf of someone else because we need to wait to be invited. And yeah. what you discovered is that they started inviting you. Yeah. They have been, they started inviting you to reach out to them more often. Yeah. So it's, it's really, there's no wrong way to do this. And what we discover about ourselves along the way is always you get an invitation to drama or you're giving yourself an invitation to be delighted. And I loved that word, delighted. I mean, yeah. you get to choose which yeah. invitation you're going to issue here. But I've got a question for you because you yes. were talking about the steps and I yes. lost one, I think. so. I know, I just got myself distracted. So you get oh. to, step one is de dream. Mm -hmm. Got it. Step two is declare. Mm -hmm. Step three is delight. Mm -hmm. Step four is discover. Aha. Uh -huh. And that's the hunt. And this okay. is all in, in the gift you have access to and your people have access to. It's actually at speakandshineyourlight.com slash gift. You'll get all of this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So step four is discover. Step five is where you dive in. So that's that part where you see a, an opening and you're like, oh, I could do that. But you're like, oh, you know, whether it's the 12 steps or filing bankruptcy or being on your call or maybe writing the book or any of those things. It's like, okay, I'm going in. And step five or step uh, six is dig in because every time I jump in, there's a moment in there, if not a hundred where I go, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, you've heard me say this. These are part of those arguments with God, right? This is hard. I'm not doing this anymore. And I've learned 
<laughs> again, something I learned in the 12-step program, because I have sponsees for people I'm sponsoring who come in, they give up flour and sugar, they've gone through all the detox, and then they want to eat again. And they just go, this is hard, I don't want to do this. I'm like, no, just keep crossing the river. Right now you're in the rapids or in the, in the, um, the drift of the river. If you just keep crossing, you'll get to the other side and it won't be so bad. But they, when they do, they're like, ah. And when they don't, they just keep doing the hard part over and over again, right? So I've learned that I can get out if I want, but I'm just gonna have to do the hard part over and over again. So that part of when you know it's right, but you don't want to, that's the dig in part. Ah, I'm not saying it really feels wrong and you're like, cause you can tell when it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's harder. I'm, I'm going to say that's harder because for me, when it's, it's hard, but I'm, you know, I know that it's the right thing. That's one emotion, but the other emotion, when it's really hard and I'm, you know, I don't think I'm on the right path. I get a voice that yeah. says, but you've invested all this money. You've invested all this time. What are you going to do? Just throw all of that. Oh my goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and mm -hmm. so it was actually harder for me to shift my focus from a business that no longer felt right to the mission to make suicide a thing of the past that it was i could i could do them both and boy what a hot mess i have had this year doing both yeah i mean you want to talk about hard and in the struggle and it was easier to stay in the struggle than it was to let go of something that i had invested in for so long and i'm right there with you because my real dream is to talk about miracles and how people get access to them and how you can do this. So this is that piece of that chapter really is my message. It's that piece of, it doesn't have to be hard and you don't have to figure it out and you can go, okay, let's see how this goes. Okay. And in my arguments with God part, I'm very good at, all right, well, you've got me into this. You better damn well help me get out. Like, where are we going? Right. <laughs> So there's been all of those conversations. But what I realize is that last step of enchanted play, step seven, is what I call draw them in. Where at that point, and you've gotten to the other side. And now you can be the beacon of light for someone else to follow. All right, so the tech on my side glitched out on your voice. So stay number seven again, just that last piece. It's, it's enchanted play, it's draw them in, and what? It's draw them in because you've now gone through the hard stuff. You've gotten to the other side. And if you shine your light, like this is possible, it gives hope to those coming behind you to go, I could, that could be me. And I realized that as the speakers who speak and shine their light has been my business for years, that really what we're doing is offering that, hey, 
I'm the messenger. There's another thing in the Course in Miracles they talk about when you're the messenger for these kind of messages from from God, from the universe, from whoever you want it, wherever these messages are. It's like we're not like the king's messenger where they get the messenger and they get to go just deliver the message. We're like we first have to get it for ourselves. And then we can offer it to somebody else, right? So you first you think it's personal, and this is a message only for me. And then you realize, oh, perhaps I could help someone else, right? So there's just that piece of, there's always that piece of I hope when when I stand on the rough in the rough side of the river, right? Not not on either shore, but in the when you're swimming in the roughness. I remember telling God once during the bankruptcy part, I'm like, I sure hope this is useful to somebody. You know, like <laughs> I said, I never thought being 210s would have been 210 pounds would have been useful to anybody, but it's made a difference for the people who's who don't have to be that weight anymore and see a different possibility. And I didn't know how my bankruptcy was ever going to make a difference to anybody else, but I'm like. And I had some good before pictures for that. I had good before pictures in the, in the bankruptcy. And as I stood there at my office administrator's desk when she didn't work there anymore because nobody worked there but me and my husband, I was like, I can't wait to see how you get this one to turn out. And I hope it's useful to somebody. And I said, I can't wait to see what the after picture is. And that's that part of going and looking. And I had the most miraculous bankruptcy. All I lost was my debt. I couldn't believe they kept telling me I couldn't, no, you can't pay them back. I'm like, what do you mean I can't pay them? No, you owe too much money to pay them back. I'm like, huh, okay. Like I just kept trying to do a different thing and it kept being like, no, you just do this and do this and do this and follow everything there was to do. And it was miraculous. And now, I, I wished I could show you the the scenery in my backyard, but the, it was too bright. I kept trying to get my husband to find a way to have me in the light, and you could see the the mountains and the and the um, cactus and the infinity pool and all the stuff that I live with now because I lost everything in a fire two years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's again that piece of I got here. But not, it wasn't, it was the easy road. Like I truly, you get a fire, you get your insurance money, you have to go spend it. You buy a really great house in Arizona because California insurance money buys really big things in Arizona. Like it was easy, but it was not what you would have chosen. There we go. I like that distinction. Okay, I like that distinction. I mean, you're talking about, what many people experience as total traumatic tragic loss yes and for you it was a i don't know what you're going to do with this right kind of attitude and that's a lot of uh you know my belief that everything is an inside job you know I yeah. sales is an inside job we teach you know all of the mindset stuff is an inside job happiness is an inside job it, it's all your internal dialogue and whether you're externalizing it to divine consciousness or God or the universe or, you know, it, it is the conversation that matters. It's yeah. the conversation you have in the morning between waking up and getting up 
at night between laying down and sleeping. These, these are the quiet times where the brain is at its most open. And sometimes those conversations are really game changers. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about that in different episodes. And the truth is that the easiest way to make yourself suicide proof is to get to know yourself. Yeah. To spend time with yourself, to get to like yourself and to come to a place of trusting that you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And it can't be other than that. And, and for me, I didn't know I didn't, you know, that whole, I don't know what I don't know, right? There's that piece of, I didn't know it could be different. So you got that two minutes. Tell us yes. what it was. Tell us the before that you didn't know it could be different than what? Well, I was busy pretending in life because that was the best I thought it could get. You know, that whole be who you're supposed to be, be look as long as you look like you were happy, looked like you had money, looked like you, you know, didn't care what weight you were, looked like, then then that was good. Like that was the best it could be. And I never actually got that what if you actually were happy and did have money and were actually the weight you'd like to be and were like i still am in awe of i go swim in my infinity pool and i look around and i'm like how did i get here like how did i get this life and it's that piece of Okay, thank you. You know, and there's the gratitude, but it, it begins as I started the conversation with hope. Like a little bit of hope, like I fully, I told my friends who knew when I lost everything, they go, how are you doing? I go, well, I'm pretty sure I lost everything because we hadn't yet seen it, but was pretty sure. And uh, I said, I fully believe it always turns out well for me. And you went on to come to that belief system. And it's that belief system of, I full, fully believe that it always turns out well for me. Right. That, if, if we could make that contagious, Susan, that's, that's the conversation I want to have. Let's see if we can make that contagious. Why don't we just start a, a, um, I don't know what we're going to call it. We're going to start a counter epidemic. That's what I wrote to my tribe yesterday. <laughs> we're going to start a counter epidemic and the contagion that we're going to spread is this new BS. It's this new belief system yes. that says, I fully believe that it's going to turn out all right. It always does. It always has. And I fully believe it always will. So when it, when it hasn't turned out well, I'm like, well, I guess it isn't over yet because it always turns out well for me. Like in the moment, it, so that's the part of, I feel I'm better off at the bottom of the pool is when you're in that moment where you don't think it's turning out well for me. Mm -hmm. But I have learned over time that those conversations to pass, that, that this shall pass, and when I, can, in the pause. when I can stand there and go, wow, I'd already written the book 
turning possibilities and realities breathe through versus muscle through, which is my chapter, that part of, okay, God, versus go make things happen, right? So when I'm standing there and have C, when we actually got to the property and there's nothing but ash, like, and melted, melted everything on the floor. Like there, it, there was no water ever that came near our fires because it was in Santa Rosa and we lost 5,000 homes in a very short period of time. And it was a wildfire. There was only people trying to evacuate, not put out fires at that time. And you just go, wow. And when I walked in, to, walked up to the property, the only thing that remained was my Kuan Yin statue in my front yard, who I call the Asian Mary. She's kind of a little Buddha, a, a female Buddha. Buddha by the fish pond, St. Francis over here, the, the, my Mary sculpture up at the top. Like the only thing that was left was my garden sculpture, the cement, but it was all the spiritual beings. And what I got was that which is eternal remains and everything else is gone. And you go, okay, let's go with this then. I can't wait to see get this one to turn out. So that which is eternal remains. And on that note, we are going to allow our conversation to become eternal. And thank so you. if you're listening to this in the recording, thank you for being here. For everyone part of this, thank you. And Susan Kirby, thank you. I love arguing with you. I, I do too. And I love, I can appreciate all of it. And as long as we give ourselves that part of, it could be different. The, and I see that it can. And what if, I don't know how, but that's not my job. So that's that part of, okay, let's see how this goes. So thank you for giving me the chance to process my own thinking and find where my message of miracles and my message of speaking are coming closer and closer together so that I'm not fighting myself. So thank you for that in addition. And I hope it's made a difference for someone. You're welcome and thank you. Blessings.